Hi guys. This is part seven of our dental hygiene board review seminar. And in this section, we are going to be covering dental materials. I have three different sources for this and I really, I like to get through one and then go on to another one. So we'll, we'll at least do two sources and but I'm hoping to only be 30 minutes on, on this recording. We'll start out with some vocab, some dental materials, terminology. Um, Microleakage. This is the leaking of fluids and bacteria between the tooth restoration interface. It increases the likelihood of recurrent caries and post-operative sensitivity. The next one is galvanism. This is an electrical current between two different metals in a solution of electrolytes, um, like saliva. This can cause corrosion of the metal restorative, restorative materials, can also cause discomfort to the patient, such as touching a fork to a metal restoration. I guess I have experienced galvanism because I cannot stand that feeling. Okay, tarnish surface discoloration due to oxidation of a thin layer of metal. It is reversible. It can be polished away. Corrosion. Irreversible discoloration of a metal due to a chemical slash electric attack. It occurs in a solution containing electrolytes such as saliva. So if it's corroded, it's irreversible. But if it's tarnished, you can have it polished off. Number five, dimensional change. Change in the size of matter. Expansion of dental materials caused by heating and contraction caused by cooling. Little or none is preferred. Extremely important in impression materials. Coefficient of thermal expansion. This is the rate at which a material expands or contracts with a change in temperature. Heat, okay, heat dash dental materials expand. Cool, dental materials contract. So the dental materials expand in heated temperatures where they contract in the cooler temperatures. Um, they have it abbreviated as CTE, which is the coefficient of thermal expansion. They say it measures the, de the decreased change in volume in relationship to the change in temperature. Number seven, percolation. This is the movement of fluid in the microscopic gap between a, a restoration margin and the tooth as a result of the different CTEs of the tooth versus the restoration. It is associated with eating cold and hot foods and fluids. The opening and closing, <laughs> the opening and closing of gaps around a restoration. So fluid moves in this gap between the restoration and the tooth. And it's, it's a result of the coefficient of the thermal expansion. Okay, so the gap 
the gaps around the restoration open and close from eating hot and cold foods. Thermal conductivity. This is the rate at which the heat flows through a material, the ability of a material to conduct heat. Metal materials have increased thermal conductivity. Number nine, stress. This is the load. It is an internal reaction to an applied force, which is external. There's three basic types of forces. You have compressive, tensile, and shearing. Compressive force is the crushing slash pushing posterior teeth suited for this. So your posterior teeth give compressive force because it's crushing and pushing. Tensile force. This is the force applied in opposite directions. So it pulls and stretches the material. Shearing force. This is the force applied with twisting or rotating motion. Um, fracture strength. This is the point where an object breaks. Ductility. This is the ability to withstand deformation under stress before fracturing or breaking. That makes sense. It's here. Brittleness. This is the ability to fracture or break before defamation occurs. Malleability. This is the ability to be compressed without fracturing. Hmm. So if it's malleable, it's strong. You can put a lot of force on it, but it doesn't fracture. Strain. This is the deformation of material in response to stress. It says change in size or shape can occur. Um, proportional limit. This is the point at which stress and strain is directly proportionate to one another. Yield point. This is the point just before material is permanently deformed. Alright, so all those terms was under stress. Next we're going to talk about hardness. Hardness is the measure of the resistance of a material to permanent indention indentation. There are two systems, but there's three listed, so I'm a little confused. But we have Mohs scale of hardness. It's M-O-H, Mohs scale of hardness. It says it compares minerals and their ability to scratch another material. So like a diamond would get a number 10, where a talc, like a chalk would get a 1. Um, Brennell hardness system. This uses a steel ball to measure indentation on the surface. So most compares minerals and their ability to be scratched. Where the Brennell hardness system just uses a ball to measure indentations that are put in the surface. Okay, and then we have the Knoop, K-N-O-O-P, Knoop, Knoop test. This measures indentations using diamonds to measure hardness. And this is under a microscope. Um, number 11, we have creep. Creep is small change in shape of amalgam and composite restorations that results when an object is under continuous compression. It occurs very slowly, 
can be thought of of a very thought of as a very slow flow of a solid. So it's just very small changes in the shape of amalgam in composite restorations under continuous compression. And that makes sense. And it's creep. So like you're creeping around. That's really slow. Um, the next one is abrasive. Material composed of particles that are hard and sharp enough to cut or scratch the surface. That's abrasive. 13 is finishing. Finishing is reducing excess restorative material to develop contours slash occlusion of a restoration and smooth surface. Uses rotary instruments. 14 is polishing. This is the process of abrading a surface to eventually reduce the size of the scratches until the surface appears shiny. 15 is grit. This describes the size of an abrasive particle, classified as coarse, medium, fine, and super fine. Retention. This is the ability for material to retain position under stress. 17, mechanical bonding. Material penetrates into irregularities and interlocks mechanically. And there's four terms underneath this mechanical bonding. We have wetting, viscosity, cohesion, and adhesion. Wetting is the degree to which the liquid adhesive spreads over the surface. Better spread equals more retention. Viscosity. The ability of a liquid material to flow. Thick materials have high viscosity. Thin materials have a low viscosity. Cohesion. This is the force of attraction between like atoms and molecules resulting in a tenacious bond. Adhesion is the force of attraction between unlike atoms and molecules on two surfaces when brought together. So cohesion, force of attraction between like atoms and molecules. Adhesion, force of attraction between unlike atoms and molecules. A dye, this is a replica of a single tooth. 19, restoration materials. You have gold, porcelain, composite, amalgam, ceramic. But I only have two listed. Gold, resist tarnish, corrosion, fractures, and thermal expansion. Closest to the natural tooth. Galvanic shock does occur because it's gold. Any metal, a galvanic shock occurs. Then we have porcelain. This is a type of ceramic. And it's strong and durable. It's used on dentures and PFM crowns, bridges, veneers, etc. Use neutral sodium fluoride, not acidulated fluoride, on porcelain because we we use neutral sodium fluoride so that the PFM doesn't stain. Twenty, endo pulp is removed. The tooth is cleaned with a bleachy substance and filled with gutta percha, which is a white pinkish. It's like a rubbery or a, like a thin wood type of material. 
You also can use silver points. A liner is used. And then the tooth is filled with amalgam. Dentinal hypersensitivity. Temporarily caused by whitening. Desensitizing toothpaste are recommended. The active ingredient in those toothpastes is potassium nitrate. And I feel like that's important to remember because I've heard dentinal hypersensitivity about a million and one times in hygiene school. But this is the first time that I have seen that the active ingredient in desensitizing toothpaste is actually potassium nitrate in a board review. So I feel like that's really important to write it down. Addition polymerization. This is the most common and there's three stages, initiation, propagation, and termination. Polymerization, addition polymerization, I think that's light curing. And trying to turn the page. Then we have bonding. The process of attaching restorative materials to the tooth via adhesion involves a mechanical bond and a chemical bond. Two systems. We have total etch system, which is the strongest, and self-etch system, which is the less post-bond, oh, it gives the least post-bond sensitivity. Total etch, strongest. Self-etch is not the strongest, but it gives the, the least amount of post-bond sensitivity. So that's good. Preparation. Oh, this is for bonding. Oh, okay. Preparation. Remove plaque and debris, etch, enamel and or dentin with acid, 37% phosphoric acid for 20 to 30 seconds. It removes the mineral content, causing a microscopic porosity, uh, increased roughness, increased surface wetting, and that equals an increased depth of resin tags. Isolation is vital. What I mean by isolation, I mean keep the saliva out. That is vital. If Saliva contaminates the area you have to re-etch. Um, apply the primer, which is hydrophilic. It's a low viscosity resin that enhances bonding. It penetrates microscopic pores and forms resin tags. Uh, that means it locks into the tooth. It's called micromechanical retention. Then apply the bonding resin, which is hydrophobic where the primer is hydrophilic. So the hydrophobic bonding resin chemically bonds to the material. This is the primary bond. This is the true adhesion between molecules of bonding and the material. Then apply the restorative material, composite, cements, etc. Then after all that, the patient may experience some post-op sensitivity caused by unsealed dentinal tubules from an overdried tooth, over-etched dentin, or an adequate sealed dentin. So they can use that 
um, potassium nitrate desensitizing toothpaste to help seal their dentinal tubules. Composite is a direct aesthetic restorative material. It is a poor conductor of heat. It provides um, insulation to the pulp. It's composed of a matrix, a resin matrix, and filler particles. The resin matrix is composed of dimethylacrylates, which is bis-GMA polymers. The filler particles are fine particles of quartz, silica, or glass. It needs polymer polymerization, and it, sh it shrinks, which may cause leakage. Um, increased fillers equal decreased thermal expansion, so percolation. So I had to take a break because my dogs were barking like crazy and I had to go get my kids from school. So I am going to reread this little part about composite. It is a direct aesthetic restorative material, a poor conductor of heat. It provides insulation of pulp composed of resin, matrix and filler particles. The resin matrix is composed of dimethylacrylates, which is the bis-GMA polymers. The filler particles are fine particles of quartz, silica, or glass. Composite needs polymerization. It shrinks and it may cause leakage. Um, increased fillers equals a decreased thermal expansion or a decreased percolation. Next is pit and fissure sealants. They prevent decay. Chemical, mechanical, and physical barrier, barrier against decay. Organic resin that flows into pits and fissures of a tooth bonds to enamel by mechanical retention via microspores from acid etching. Indications are of moderate to high carriage risk, xerostomia, uh, contraindications, oh, and pit and fissure um, decay. Contraindications are caries and partially erupted teeth. So you got to have all that cleaned out before you can put sealant on and the number one reason for sealant failure is saliva properties of pit and fissure sealants it should be thixotropic thins as it flows but does not run after placement radiopaque strong and fluoride releasing and drying agent equals Decreased moisture equals increased retention. Syringe delivery is easy, convenient, less waste, has an inspiral tip, which prevents air bubbles, and causes maximum penetration. The composition, it is chemically similar to flowable composite resins, 
polymerization is accelerated by light. You have a bis-GMA is the organic matrix. Filler particles, which is quartz, silica, or glass for strength. And then what bonds the organic matrix and the filler particles together is something called silane. It's a coupling agent. And it just bonds everything together. And that's really the difference between the composition of sealants and composite. So we'll talk about whitening. You have, well, whitening is a cosmetic process using chemicals to remove discolorations or to lighten teeth. Power whitening is an in-office procedure using strong whitening agents and high-intensity lights to accelerate whitening. Walking bleach, this is a whitening technique for non-vital teeth. Whitening materials are sealed inside the crown of the tooth for several days, and you have a risk of external root resorption. Next is enamel microabrasion. Uses HCI acid and an abrasive pumice to remove shallow discolorations from enamel. Uh, how do whitening materials work? Enamel is 97% mineral, the CA10PO460H2, with spaces between the enamel rods. Whitening agents enter these spaces and reach the dentin. Then they release oxygen-free radicals. Oxygen-free radicals oxidize the stains and lighten the color of the dentin. If free radicals penetrate too deeply into dentin, Pulpal irritation occurs, equaling tooth sensitivity. There's two types of whitening materials, and you want to avoid contact with the gingiva. You have hydrogen peroxide, liquid or gel, at 5% to 40%. And then you have... Carbamide peroxide, liquid or gel, 10% to 44%. That's all I have on whitening. So, um, Ceramics. This is an indirect restoration. Where a composite is a direct restoration because it's like a gel when it's put onto the tooth and then through polymerization it becomes hard. Well, ceramics is an indirect restoration because it's sent to a lab somewhere to be uh, uh, created. So, precise contracts and contacts and contours via lab require baking at high temperature to fuse small particles together. Good aesthetics, especially if no metal substance like a PFM. Um, there's two types. You have a glass-based ceramic slash silica. This is a glass matrix. It's more translucent. There's also the non-glass-based ceramics. This is a crystalline-based matrix instead of glass, and it's less translucent and more opaque, so it looks more natural. 
CAD CAM. This is a computer assisted design slash computer aided machining. This is technology that uses computers to design and cut restoration restorations from blocks of dental materials. So that's pretty exciting. Now we can talk about shade. Um, there's a few different terms here that we can talk about. So this is shade when discussing coloring for ceramics and stuff. The hue, a hue is a basic color of an object, just like this. the paper I'm reading from is white. My phone case is blue. Chroma, this is the intensity of the color. So hue is the color. And chroma is the intensity of the color. So some people, uh, my phone case is blue, it's dark blue. Some people might like a more intense blue value. The value of a color is the brightness of the color. It's lightness or darkness. Opacity, this is light is absorbed by an object. Transparency, light passes through the object. Translucency is some light passes through the object and some is dispersed, such as in frosted glass. Now we're going to talk about amalgam. Um, this is a metallic restorative material composed of silver alloy and liquid mercury. The silver alloy, an alloy is two or more metals. So silver plus two or more metals. An amalgam is actually made of silver plus tin, copper, and zinc. I feel like that's real important to know that. Silver, tin, copper, and zinc. And that silver alloy is mixed with liquid, liquid mercury. It mixes with a silver alloy, causing a reaction called amalgamation. The mixing process of the alloy with the liquid mercury is called amalgamation. So that's what the mixing process is called. It is mixed with a mechanical device called a triturator or amalgamator. The amalgam is in capsules. Capsules often require activation to break the membrane before mixing. So if you, you can under-triturate it or you can over-triturate it. Under-triturate it, the amalgam will come out dry, uh, low strength with a decreased working time. If you over-triturate it, the amalgam is going to come out more wet and you're going to have a decreased working time plus uh, an increased corrosion and it'll be difficult to condense. So you want to make sure that you are triturating it for the proper amount of time. Um, finishing and polishing amalgams. Wait 24 hours plus after placement for material to be completely set. Use a light force and water while polishing. But we can talk about some of the advantages and the disadvantages of amalgam. It's very durable. It has a great compressive strength, good marginal seal. It is easily manipulated. Um, it actually hardens from it being compressed. So, I don't know, it's just really cool. 
very little dimensional change, great biocompatibility, and adequate working slash setting time. So yeah, you got plenty of time. All right, disadvantages of dental amalgam. You got poor edge strength, poor aesthetics, that's the truth. I can't stand to look at one. And if it's not polished, it's tarnished, so it doesn't look good. Tarnishes with time. High thermal conductivity. Mm-hmm. Means you can't drink anything super hot or super cold. Delayed expansion. That means it just expands and retracts over time. Now we're going to talk about bases and cements, liners and varnishes. Cements retain restorations in the mouth, provides a thermal insulation near the pulp. Bases. Insulates and protects the tooth. Thermal and chemical insulation replaces removed dentin. Liners. They seal dentinal tubules, protect against leakage, cannot resist comprehensive forces, provide sedative effect to the pulp, as in a zinc oxide eugenol, applies a thin coat of surface cavity prep. Applies as a thin coat of surface cavity prep. Okay. Zinc oxide eugenol is used as a liner because it does provide a sedative effect um, to the pulp when you're doing a restoration. Uses for cements. You can use a cement as a looting agent for permanent crowns, onlays, inlays, and temporary crowns, temporary restorations, bases and liners, pulp capping, root canal sealer, and cementation of orthodontic bands. So you can use cements for a lot of things. Um, types of dental cements, zinc oxide eugenol, which we just talked about, used as a liner, provides sedative effect to the pulp called obtundent, and also used as a temporary restoration. Contraindicated under composites because it can cause interference with polymerization. It's putty-like. It provides an anesthetic and antibacterial properties. It's also used as impression material when making dentures. C-O-E. Zinc oxide eugenol. You can use it for so many things. So you can guarantee that it will be on our boards. The NPO4, which is zinc phosphate, the oldest and most widely used. It's used for cementing ortho bands and cast restorations. Exothermic reactions occur when mixed, releases heat. Mix this on a cool slab over a large area. Material bonded with mechanical interlocking forces. Next is zinc polycarboxylate aka duralon this is mainly used for ortho and as a base useful under composites because it does not cause a reaction it also does not release heat next is glass ionomers glass ionomers are used for crowns liner or base and fillings and filling. And then the last one is resin-based cements. This is used for all ceramic 
crowns, veneers, as it ha has the highest strength. Okay, now we're going to talk about um, impression materials. You have elastic impression materials and inelastic. Elastic are like hydrocolloids or alginate. Elastomers like polyvinyl siloxane and polyethers. And digital. Inelastic is like dental compound, which is not used much in dentistry. So we mostly use elastic impression materials. Key properties of impression materials is you want it to be accurate, tear resistant, and have dimensional stability. Elasticity is the ability for an object to return back to the original shape when the load is removed. Modules of elasticity is measuring stiffness of elastic material and the elastic limit is the maximum stress that material can withstand without being deformed. So now we're going to go through what I think is the most difficult part of dental materials and that is the different impression materials. There's four on the list. The hydrocolloids, alginate, polyvinyl siloxane, and the polyethers. So we'll do our best to get through this part. So hydrocolloid IM, which is impression material. The first one is agar. This is a reversible hydrocolloid, and it's not used anymore, probably because it's reversible. Next is alginate. This is a an alginate hydrocolloid IM. It's irreversible colloid hydrocolloid. This is the most widely used because it's cheap, easy to manipulate, no special equipment, it's accurate, but it's not the best for a final impression. The uses for this are diagnostic casts or study models, preliminary impressions for CDs and RPD frameworks, RPD and CD repairs, custom trays for bleaching and fluoride and night guards, and sports mouth protectors and ortho appliances. So those, the agar and alginate, are hydrocolloid impression materials. Now we're going to get into more into alginate um, details. So it is a low cost type of impression material that's irreversible. The accelerator is calcium sulfate. The dimensional stability is low, so you must pour it up within one hour. It is sensitive to water loss, to H2O loss. It causes shrinkage. The, the tear strength is low. Increased tearing if thin material or too much water or slow removal. This like we said before, is not really for the final impression. It does not flow well. Um, we have syneresis, which is the loss of water. It occurs with alginate if it's exposed to air. So it should be poured ASAP after removal from the mouth. It should be wrapped in a moist tail 
towel has 100% humidity uh, if not poured immediately. It should be wrapped in a moist towel if not poured immediately due to the 100% humidity. So, cineresis is the loss of water. Imbibition is the uptake of water, which is the ability to absorb water. It is also the opposite of cineresis. This occurs with alginate if left in water. Leaving impression in a bowl of water will cause distortion. So, it's more common for alginate to be a product of cineresis, the loss of water from leaving it out in the air, but it can also experience imbibition, which is the uptake of water from leaving it in a bowl of water or something. So we just don't do it. Um, gelation time is the time to mix, load, and seat the impression. You can alter this time with a water temperature. So warm water equals a lesser gelation time equals a faster set. Cold water equals an increased gelation time and a slower set. So I guess it just depends on how big of a hurry are you in, how perfect do you need it to be. Because warmer water makes it set faster. Cold water makes it set slower. Okay, that's alginate. That wasn't so bad. Now we're going to get into the elastomers or elastomers. Polyvinyl siloxane. PVS, I am, elastomere. This is base plus catalyst mixed with cartridge. Forms a long chain, cross-linked polymers. The setting time sets faster if it's a warm temperature, and it sets slower if it's stored in the fridge. So it's kind of like alginate in that way. Dimensional stability is highest. Um, pour within one week, can repour, tear strength is a medium, accuracy, you can use it for your final impression. It's hydrophobic, so it must be dry for accuracy. It is a high cost. Uh, the tray adhesive is required, and... It is used for bite registration, also available for putty wash tech. The other elastomere that's on here is polyethers. And that's an IM that it's an elastomere. Light, medium to heavy viscosities. It sets through polymerization, forms a long chain of cross-linked polymers. Dimensional stability is high. It's 14 days. Pour within a week. Can re-pour. Kind of just like the polyvinyl. The tear strength is low to medium. Accuracy, you can use it for the final impression. Um, but it's more hydrophilic than the PVS that we just talked about. PVS is hydrophobic where polyethers are hydrophilic. Um, but that means that you have an increased accuracy around the subgingival margin. And, see, it's got a high cost. Tray adhesive is required. 
must wax undercuts. That was the last thing about that. And then we go on to the gypsum products. It says this is most commonly used for replication. High strength dental stone, HSDS, is desirable qualities are accuracy, reproduction of fine detail, stability, hardness, strength, resistance to abrasion, solubility, and ease of use. All three forms are chemically identical, except powder particles are different shapes. When water is added to the hemihydrate form, is converted back to the dehydrate form, equaling an exothermic reaction. Heat is given off. All expand upon setting. Wet strength when excess water is present. Dry strength, strength when excess water is removed. So wet strength is when excess water is present. Dry strength is strength when excess water is removed. Potassium sulfate acts as an accelerator, reduces set time. Warm water can reduce set time as well. Borax is a retarder. Used to increase time, calcination. Gypsum products are produced by a process hold on, called calcination. Gypsum rock, which is the dihydrate form, is ground and heated. This removes 75% of the rock's water. Produces a strong hemihydrate form of calcium sulfate. All three types of gypsum are heat treated differently during the calcination process to produce different physical characteristics. Plaster, which is white in color, is the cheapest and it requires more water to mix. I think my walls are plaster. Yep, because I can't hang anything in my bedroom. Um, it equals an increased W slash P ratio, so water to powder ratio. Particles are porous and rough, the weakest gypsum material. So plaster is the weakest gypsum material. It's not used for CNB or implant procedures. Uses for plaster include orthocasts, mounting stone models to articulators, type one and two. Stone, yellow in color, aka quickstone, requires less water to mix, lower water to powder ratio than dental plaster, higher water to power ratio than HSDS. So, lower, because we're talking about stone now, and it's got a lower water to power ratio than the dental plaster, but a higher water to power powder ratio than high strength dental stone. Um, let's see. Particles are smooth and dense, not used for CMB or implant procedures. Uses include study models, treatment slash diagnosis, working casts for RPDs and CDs, and it says type three. So plaster is type 1 and 2, where stone is type 
three. And then high strength dental stone, also called dye stone. It's pale green, pale blue, or pale pink in color. Requires least amount of water to mix. So it has the lowest water to powder ratio. This is the most abrasive, the strongest, and it's very dense. High compression strength. Uses are dyes, crowns and bridges, implants, and it is type four and five. Now we can talk about acrylic resins. These are synthetic polymers used in prosthetic dentistry. An example is PMMA, polymethyl methacrylate. Uses are denture bases, denture teeth, relining, repairing prosthesis, and an RPD or a CD, provisional acrylic RPD, such as flippers, tissue conditioners, custom impression trays, orthodontic retainers, and bruxism mouth guards. Some of the properties is you have shrinkage during polymerization, a coefficient of thermal expansion is high with fairly low strength, compressive and tensile. You have an increased breakage, good biocompatibility, low thermal conductivity, good fatigue resistance, and no flexing. Periopack, this is a bandage. It provides protection and nutrients to an area. Some contain eugenol for the pain. Um, a zinc oxide eugenol. And they maintain the blood clot as well. Periopacks are like a band-aid for your perio condition. Now we're going to talk about bone replacement. This corrects bone irregularities and also used for implants. So there's four terms. Autograft. This is from your patient's own body. That's autograft. Patient's own body. Allow, allow graft. A-L-L-O graft. This is from the same species, such as a, a cadaver, like a deceased person that's donated their body to science. Xenograft. This is bone from a different species, not, a, not of the human species. This is for like a cow, from a cow or a pig. Or you can have synthetic bone, which is made in a lab. So, autograft, I'm giving you, this is how I remember it, I'm giving you my autograft from my own body. So this is my autograft. I will allow you to give me your graft, allograft. So that's from same species, but a different body. Uh, what was the other one? Xenograft. This is from a different species. So xenograft from the zoo because it's animals. Xenograft. And then synthetic is made in lab, so it's fake. Synthetic is fake. So that one's easier to remember. Implant. An implant is an artificial tooth. You have endosteal and subperiosteal. Endosteal implant is inside the bone, in the bone. It's the most common. A screw is surgically placed into the bone and it works as a root. Subperiosteal is on the bone. It's placed on the top of the jaw with the metal post protruding through the gum to hold the prosthesis. 
This is used for patients who cannot wear conventional dentures and who have minimal bone height. So that's really wonderful. I'm going to have to remember that in practice. Uh, radiographically, we've got four points. Um, radiopaque materials. Radiopaque is light. Radiolucent is dark. And radiopaque materials or light materials are the metals. Anything metal. Amalgam, gold, PFM. A PFM actually is radiopaque and radiolucent because the metal part is radiopaque. And then the porcelain is radiolucent. So it looks kind of funny. Um, radiopaque. Endodontic posts. Retention pins, implant screws, anything with metal in it is radiopaque. Then you have partially radiopaque materials. So partially uh, light cements, liners, bases, and gutta percha. Those are items that are partially light or radiopaque. Porcelain. Porcelain is very similar looking to enamel, so it's hard to tell. A PFM is radiopaque at the, oh, hold on, radiopaque at the metal part, but radiolucent at the porcelain area. So that's what I just said. Composites kind of vary in appearance. It just depends on a lot of things. That is it. That's all I have for dental materials in my notes. So I'm going to look in one of the other study books and see what, I can come up with to put in this session. Okay, so the Chicago Review book starts out with some definitions like we did uh, from my notes. So we'll just go ahead and review those again. A lot of this is the same, so it'll be repetitive, uh, but that's I think that's great. Repetitive or, you know, just a different way of saying something that really helps someone to understand it or remember it. So adhesion, this is the chemical attraction between unlike molecules. Cohesion, this is the chemical attraction between like molecules. So adhesion or between attraction between unlike molecules. Cohesion, the chemical attraction between like molecules. You can remember cohesion because of like cohabitate to uh, people who are similar can live together because they cohabitate. They're like, uh, they're like each other. So that's cohesion. Adhesion is, uh, just think of tape. You can tape something that does not belong with something else together because of adhesion, because of the tape. Okay. CTE coefficient of thermal expansion. This is an index which indicates how one material acts to temperatures or reacts to temperatures um, in extremes in relation to another. So it's an index which indicates how one material reacts to temperature extremes in relation to another. Okay. Comprehensive strength. This is the force at which a material breaks under pressure. Creep. This is a slow dimensional change caused by compression. 
ductility, the ability to undergo change of form without breaking. So this is like the twisty tie of a that goes on a bread bag. It can undergo change of form without breaking. So that's an example of ductility. Elasticity. This is a material's ability to recover its initial shape after undergoing a force. So this thing of like a rubber band. Galvanism. This is an electrical current generated by dissimilar metals in an acidic environment. So that's like a fork on an amalgam filling. Gelation. The process of gelling. Solidification by cold temperatures. This is similar to jello. Imbibition. This is the absorption of a solvent by a gel. It's like a sponge. I don't really like the definition of imbibition from this book. Malleability. This is a material's capacity to be shaped by force or pressure. So this is like, think of Play-Doh. Microleakage or percolation. This is the passage of oral fluids or bacteria into and out of a tooth, stru tooth structure due to a marginal gap or failure of a marginal seal, like around a restoration. Polymerization. This is the linking, branching, or cross-linking of smaller molecules. This is actually whenever you do a filling and then you put a curing light on it. That is called polymerization. Proportional limit. This is the force at which a material cannot return to its original shape. Cineresis. This is actually the opposite of imbibition. But it says contraction of a gel due to the loss of a solvent. That's what happens when you don't pour an impression up quickly enough. Tensile strength. This is a force needed to stretch a material to the point of fracture. Viscosity is the resistance to flow. Bonding strength is a degree of resistance to an abrasive or occlusal forces. So a better definition of imbibition is the uptake of water, and cineresis is the loss of water content. This is referring to gypsum products, mostly. Now we're going to review some common materials, such as amalgam. And we talked about previously, amalgam is an alloy of silver, plus other metals. So silver plus two or more other metals and mercury. So it's an um, amalgam is technically an alloy of mercury. In dentistry, an, allo an alloy of mercury with silver, copper, tin, and zinc. I feel like that is really important. Silver, the base metal, is susceptible to corrosion. Copper added to amalgam to minimize corrosion. And the desirable features of amalgam is that it's durable. It lasts for a long time. They say that any filling is only good for five years. 
but I know people that have had amalgams in their teeth for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I know I've had mine for over 20. Um, so they're durable. Similar comprehensive strength to enamel. And they're pretty cheap. Now we'll talk about some of the undesirable features. It's unattractive. Uh, high thermal conductivity. Dimensionally unstable. This is where the creep comes in over time becomes more unstable. Delayed expansion if contaminated by saliva and it's delayed so it'll take a while before it's noticeable. Requires tooth support, fracturable by excessive occlusion just like everything and susceptible to galvanism when new. Galvanism if you can recall that is an electrical current generated by dissimilar metals in an acidic environment. Mine are still susceptible to galvanism and they are not new so um, polishing. Move from coarse to fine agents when polishing to remove surface tarnish, stains, flash, and roughness. Polishing can reduce the rate of corrosion. And the final polish in the mouth with tin oxide. It says use a light touch with water and short bursts to avoid abdominal blast damaging heat. Avoid overhang formation by using a properly placed Band and wedge is, and detect overhang with an explorer. So overhang can cause like bacteria to get under there and then decay, and you don't want that. So, which metal causes dental alloys to transform into amalgam when mixed? Mercury. Okay, next is bonding agents. Dental resins, bisGMA or urethane dimethylcrylate, which establish micromechanical retention with enamel and dentin by adapting to relief areas created by conditioning with phosphoric acid. That's an etchant. Why don't they just say etching? Let me read that again. Dental resins, bisGMA or urethane dimethylcrylate, which establish micromechanical retention with enamel and dentin by adapting to relief areas created by conditioning with etchant. Steps 15 steps 15 to 20 seconds of etching, rinsing, drying, applying, air thin, and polymerize, which is curing. Phosphoric acid application increases enamel and dentin surface area, which means etching increases enamel and dentin surface area. So when you're etching, you are etching with phosphoric acid. Polymerization typically activated by fiber optic light. It's a securing light. Light activated polymerization allows flexible working time. Polymerization initiators typically benzoyl peroxide or a tertiary amine. Bonding failures commonly due to contamination by saliva. If it does get contaminated at any step of the process, you need to re-etch. A rubber dam. You can use a rubber dam to isolate the field and prevent salivary contamination. And a bisGMA is a bisphenol A glycidol methacrylate. It's so like this is, I don't know, there's just parts in here that's too technical. P. 
Pit and fissure sealant, we really already covered that and it's pretty simple, but we'll just go over a few terms. Um, maybe the steps. So there's nine steps. Retention is mechanical. Check with an explorer after polymerization or light curing. Um, the main ingredient in a sealant is BizGMA resin. I feel like that's really important. Um, so the steps, the nine steps we'll go over. <clears throat> Pumice, rinse, isolate, etch, 